0: Crime and
1: me. I've diagnosed some people, I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely
0: done my fair share of psychiatry work.
1: I've prescribed a few pills, you
0: know. Crime and knee. Disclaimer,
1: disclaimer. 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 Disclaimer.
0: We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths.
1: We are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say
0: too literally. We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at each, each other. other. <laughs> Welcome to another week of Crimey.
1: We're your hosts, Angela and Matt. Thanks for joining us.
0: Yay! (laughs) Episode 27. Uh,
1: Also, for all of you in the states, happy election day. Get out and vote. Please
0: vote. Please. Please, 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 please,
1: please. Hopefully you've already turned in your ballot like a month ago because apparently the uh, post office is going to be tricky. But I've mailed my ballot in. I'm super nervous and terrified, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) I mailed mine in too and I got my little sticker. Put on my water bottle. Oh, excited cute. it's the best part of voting yeah
1: got that <laughs> sticker put it in your sticker book
0: sticker oh i miss sticker books i love like why were sticker we book. saving them it's like this whole book of just no but stickers you weren't we even collected.
1: saving them though you were like using the sticker to put it in your book
0: Yes, yeah, so you can look right. back
1: at all the stickers you've had
0: <laughs> it was really exciting especially when they were like fuzzy or yes. um or shiny P- or like puffed The
1: Puffed ones. The fuzzy mm-hmm. and the puffed ones were the best. You are exactly right. I yep. loved I loved looking at my sticker book. I'm <laughs> sure I still have it, so
0: I was just gonna say whatever happened to those.
1: Pick out your favorite sticker for the day. You're a sticker
0: <laughs> and just look at it. See, see, kids, we didn't have smartphones or iPads. We would just flip through all the stickers we collected and stare at them for hours and enjoy all the stickers we collected. <laughs> Shit.
1: Oh, The good old box, days. I know. <laughs>
0: anyway, vote, please.
1: Yes, please vote.
0: And if you're in line trying to vote, And the voting polls close, stay in line. They have to let you vote.
1: Oh, interesting. Good. They have to. If
0: you're in line, you have to. Yes.
1: Cool. Get out and vote.
0: Don't let anyone scare you. Just do it. All right. I'm going to tell you a fucked up story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Let's get to more fucked up things.
0: Okay. I got my information from Investigation Discovery. I actually watched this show called Unusual Suspects. What? Oh, it's pretty entertaining. I've I never mean, you seen know, that in the worst way. It's they're always the unusual suspect.
1: Do they do <laughs> crappy reenactments? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's good. It's good. Okay. So I got a lot of information from that, and then I got information from law dot dot justia dot com, Kentucky dot com, fourteen news dot com, that's it. Okay, cool. I'm gonna tell you about the murder of Karina Mullen. Mm. On the morning of October second, nineteen eighty-seven, a street worker in the Mullenburg County town of Central City, Kentucky. Jesus wow, Christ.
1: <laughs> so somewhere in no- Kentucky.
0: <laughs> yes, Central City, Kentucky. This person noticed a vehicle. With blood on it parked in, in a city garage. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, so he contacted the police, and one of the officers got there and he opened the vehicle and discovered the body of Karina Mullen. Ooh. So the guy that found her was a central, or the police guy was a Central City Police Lieutenant Billy Fields. Mm hmm who found the body, or, I mean, he didn't find it. He opened it and confirmed that something wasn't right. That that blood
1: came from somewhere. That
0: blood, yeah, it was not ketchup.
1: (laughs) It never is.
0: He kind of took on the case as, like, the investigator. Well, yeah, he he
1: found the body. (laughs) I
0: found it, so I get to keep it. (laughs)
1: Dibs!
0: And an autopsy revealed that she had been beaten and stabbed to death.
1: Oh,
0: I won't go into great detail about the trauma, but she went through a lot of trauma and was also raped.
1: Oh. I'm surprised you're not going into detail knowing you.
0: Well, I might. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Just because you asked. No. Knowing that there wasn't enough blood inside the trunk for that much damage... Lieutenant Fields thought that she was probably killed somewhere else, and then that was where she was dumped. Uh Plus, it also was her own car that she was found in.
1: Mm.
0: Can't be like, let's just find this person who owns this car, and then we'll ask him about that dead body. No, that's hard. It was hers. Mm. He found where Karina lived, and he went into the apartment, and he noticed that there was some blood on her bed and a little splattering on the wall and some on the floor. And he questioned her roommate, Angela Smith. <gasps> oh, no. Angela. <laughs> she claimed that she didn't hear anything the night of the attack. How <laughs> exactly. did not hear? Which is strange because the two bedrooms shared a wall.
1: Oh, yeah. You know those apartment walls are thin. E-
0: yep. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty, pretty brutal
1: Yes.
0: killing. So she should have heard at least
1: something strum
0: some some kind of struggle or something
1: did she have defensive wounds did they say yeah she did so yeah she should have heard something
0: yeah she definitely definitely should have heard something okay suspicious. so suspicious
1: Uh-oh.
0: unusual suspect
1: oh uh, mm, wouldn't that be a maybe. usual suspect yeah yeah mm. damn it okay <laughs> oh, well <no. laughs>
0: cross her off your list <laughs> So the roommate then offered up information that the night, that that night, you know, Mm -hmm. when she was murdered and abducted, she said that her and Karina had like, they were kind of having a night to themselves because they were both young mothers. They usually had the kids at home. But that night, I don't know where Angela's kid was, but Karina's kid was with her mother. So like grandma time. And she, so she said that the two women decided they were going to get a little tipsy, maybe go out. I think they went out on the town.
1: Yeah, and pretty. Then, and then
0: continued drinking at night. So she said that, oh, actually, she didn't hear anything because she had passed out from drinking so much and she blacked out and couldn't couldn't remember anything. Mm, okay. She also said that before she does, the last thing she remembers was she was heading to her room and Karina asked her to unlock the front door cuz her boyfriend Jimmy was going to come over later Ugh. and that she was going to go to bed right after Angela so that like he would just you know come in lock the door and go uh-huh. into her room
1: i don't like it
0: <laughs> unusual suspect <laughs> that would Pretty be very usual <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> damn
0: <laughs> well <laughs> So then the police found Jimmy Springer, the boyfriend, mm-hmm. and asked him what happened since he was supposedly the last person to see Karina. Right. Jimmy said that he didn't go to Karina's that night, but he went by in the morning. He said he walked in the house, noticed Karina wasn't there, he saw blood in the room, uh, he got concerned, and, and did so not he call the police. decided so that he was going to drive around looking for her.
1: Yeah, don't call the police. For,
0: for about an hour. And then he went to his friend's house after he couldn't find anything.
1: Uh, he's just like, "Well, <laughs> I did my best. I don't know what you want from me."
0: I gave it a the once Not over. Gonna, like
1: report her missing or anything when there's blood and. You
0: know, maybe she got her period and went on a listen
1: walk. and sprayed her blood <laughs> on the walls everything. and floor.
0: You know, some guys just don't understand how it works.
1: Some guys don't understand <laughs> how It was a heavy flow it day. <laughs> I read, you can put you can cut this if you want, but I read like some screenshot of someone's something and there someone was like, someone was like, oh, like when you're a girl and you have your period and you're trying to like, you're taking a shower and then it's like the rush to like dry off before, you know, blood gets everywhere. And then like some guy's like, oh, girls are gross. Why don't you just like hold it in? <laughs> like, oh, and Okay. <laughs>
0: and then just spray it out whenever you want. It's like just venom. Just spray it on a wall. And like back, get back, <laughs> <laughs> that would work probably better than pepper spray. Uh, oh, God. Oh, oh. Uh. Anyway, uh. that's not how it works, guys. Like,
1: we need to get our education system <laughs> a lot better here in the States. I don't know how other countries yeah. are doing it, but clearly there's some missing information here. <laughs> there's
0: a lot of missing information. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. He was like, I'm going to my friend's house. Okay. And then the police were like, that sounds suspicious. Why yeah. would that happen? You wouldn't come in and see blood and not report it. Right. So they arrested him for her murder. Whoa. Mm-hmm.
1: All because he was suspicious.
0: They well, had and he's zero, a zero evidence linking him to the murder. Just the roommate's story that he was supposed to come over and that he was the last one to see right. her.
1: And his story that he came over and his morning.
0: own. Yep.
1: So. Did it say how long they had been dating?
0: I mean, I don't think it was, like, super long. Maybe, like, a year, maybe six months. I don't know. It wasn't, like, over, you know.
1: Did the roommate see the blood and not call anyone either?
0: She didn't really say anything about the blood that I noticed.
1: Okay. So maybe it was, like, a usual thing for her to be doing, like, blood sacrifices in her room, (laughs) and no one thought it was weird? I
0: I assume that just meant that she never went into Karina's room. Okay. That maybe she just like, you know, in her story, she was super drunk, right. blacked out. Right. Who knows what time she woke up. Yeah. You're hungover. You're stumbling around. Like yeah, you're, not looking you're for probably your not going to go right? into her room. Yeah. No, you're probably just going to like throw up a, be- a bunch of times and maybe try and keep Crawl down some water. Crawl to the kitchen
1: to like, get some coffee.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's just my experience.
1: though. hang on. are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst.
0: Ruins your entire next day.
1: Okay, I'm going to uh backtrack they're not the worst yep. we're talking about a murder right now so that was
0: oh yeah i'm thinking mm, that's true that, okay uh... wow i am an <laughs> asshole <laughs> oh okay well yeah murder is definitely the worst way worse um... way
1: worse <laughs> <laughs> worse than a hangover
0: so without any evidence they took him to trial
1: wow and they moved the jury... fast
0: yep and the jury was like, where's the evidence? And the prosecution yeah. was like, hey, look, you guys, he's been in and out of jail for pot a bunch of times. Uh, so, like, mm-hmm. he's Clearly, bad. So, like, the next step to pot distribution is murder. For yeah, that's the natural. Sure. next.
1: It's the gateway drug. And it's yeah, the gateway to murder. <laughs> to murder.
0: <laughs> To murder a sandwich, that's for sure. Uh. Okay. <laughs> uh wow. So but what do you she, think the jury said? Here's the
1: thing. If she mm-hmm. has defensive wounds, he mm-hmm. would be, like, beat the fuck up. Probably. And they found him, like, the next day. And if he yep. wasn't, like, scratched up or bruised or whatever, then no, he didn't do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, if the jury yeah. was smart enough to be like, what's the evidence? I'm kind of scared. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, obviously, I would say not guilty.
0: Good. Yeah. They came back with a not guilty oh, verdict, like, God. immediately. Mm-hmm. They were like, uh, really? This is the case you're presenting? Okay. Weak well, sauce. No. Yeah. So he was released. Good. And then the case sat cold for 17 years. I
1: hate that shit. I hate it. When they get, like, <sighs> tunnel vision, and then they arrest the wrong person, and then it's, like, now... They're not gonna do anything about it. I hate it. Uh-huh. I hate it so much.
0: Well, you'll find out. Dun dun dun. Did he do it? No.
1: No. Not saying anything. <gasps> Listen. Okay.
0: So, Karina's parents, you know, throughout the years were check in with yes. Lieutenant Fields and the officers, and like, they're what like, the hell yeah, are you we're, doing? we're looking. We're looking. Yeah. And at one point, Karina's car had been in the complete. In police custody still, like in their lot or whatever for evidence. Right. And it was there for years. And then they finally contacted the parents and they were like, hey, we need this car either sold or, you know, you need to take it because we need to make space for new evidence.
1: Even though we didn't solve this case?
0: Yep. Uh So her dad took the car and he parked it at his house and he decided that it was basically a murder time capsule
1: yeah like, there has
0: got to be something in here that police overlooked smart man so he would spend hours just like combing over it with a fine tooth comb looking at everything just trying to see if he could find anything that the police missed
1: yeah which i'm sure they missed a bunch of shit
0: so one day he was looking and he was in the back seat and he Dug his hand between where the back seat back yeah. of the seat and the seat seat meet yeah. up, and that you know, that crevice, that where mystery
1: crevice where who knows what's in change there. Change
0: and rappers and life dreams and hopes go. Ew. And he stuck his hand deep, deep. They deep. didn't even like take the car
1: apart. No. God.
0: He stuck his hand in the seat, yeah. and he pulled out. A goddamn knife covered in dried blood.
1: Oh my god.
0: How did the police miss that?
1: 17 years later.
0: Uh huh.
1: Oh my god.
0: Well, in 2005, Kentucky State Police Detective Steve Silfies, not selfies, Silfies, (sighs) while investigating a different crime, learned that a person named Samantha Robinson had information about an unsolved murder in Central City. Wait,
1: question. Is Central City, like, a? is it like murder doesn't happen there, so they don't know, like, how to take apart a crime scene, or...
0: I can't say without giving away. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh! Oh! Uh, okay. Oh! Okay. Okay. Uh oh. Okay. So, so we passed her name along or onto Detective Damon Fleming, who was at Central City, mm-hmm. and was like, "You might want to talk to her because this girl has information about the Mullen murder." I
1: like how you threw in the Southern accent real quick.
0: Thanks. You <laughs>
1: might want to talk
0: to her. You might want to speak at her. She got information. Okay. okay. Well, Ooh, Fleming, okay. he brings uh, Samantha Robinson in. I'm so and okay. To interview her. Yeah. And she says that she was an eyewitness <gasps> to Mullen's murder. How? Samantha Robinson. And okay, I'm going to tell you her. This is what she says happened. Okay. I'm inclined to believe a good majority of it, but since it's only her perspective and I don't, you know, mm-hmm. apparently this, it was a bit of a rough crowd. I'm not. Okay. Let Tell, me us just, anyway. Tell us the story. Tell us <laughs> the story. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to edit that preface out. Okay. okay so, <laughs> Samantha Robinson said, the night of October 1st, 1987, yeah. when she was 16 years old, oh. she was... Standing near her house, I, one source said that she was, like, walking home from somewhere, and, mm-hmm. and other, other sources just said that she was outside her house. Okay. At night. Um, and a car pulled up near her, and two men got out, and they put her in the car. They what? abducted her. <gasps> they then drove to Karina's apartment. When they got inside, Karina and Angela, along with three other guys... One of them being Jimmy Springer, Karina's <gasps> boyfriend. Uh-huh. So these guys were all about 19, early 20s, like young guys, all, all Karina's and um, Angela's age. Yeah. While Billy Field, that's right, <gasps> Lieutenant Billy Field was there. <sighs> and he was like 20 years older than these guys. Ew. Love the age gap. Oh, she knew that one of the guys that had brought her there was local drug dealer and thug <laughs> named Jeff Boyd. Jeff. <laughs> and Jeff the other is the thug. And the other was none other than Lieutenant Billy Field himself.
1: Another thug. The
0: other guy, Jimmy Kramer, was, according to, <laughs> in, um, the unusual suspects or whatever it was yeah. called. They were like, basically, Jimmy Kramer was a mini-me of Jeff Boyd. Ew. And even, like, the reenactment guy, he's literally, like, half the guy's size. Ew. But I guess he was, like, a thug in training. Wait, you is that the boyfriend? No, this was just a... Uh, so there's two Jimmys. There's oh, Kramer and there's great. Springer.
1: You always do that. Okay.
0: Yes. You gotta have a couple Jimmys.
1: Yeah.
0: And Samantha says that at one point... Lieutenant Fields and Karina were arguing, but that she couldn't exactly figure out what they were arguing about.
1: Wait, why did they get... Why did they abduct her?
0: Okay, that's why... Okay, I don't want to, you know, say anything if this actually happened, but it seems suspicious. It seemed more like... Um, that Samantha already knew these people. Like she hung out yeah. with, this is a group of friends that she hung out with and that like yeah. maybe she was with them that night and then they she went over there and then stuff happened. Because like, yeah. she also said that she wasn't sure what they were arguing about, but the apartment wasn't big. And so you can hear what people are saying, but she right. said it was something, she thought it was something to do about Karina making up a false pregnancy and saying that it was Ooh. Lieutenant Field's baby. Uh huh. And s- a lot of sources said that Karina and Lieutenant Fields were also having some kind of relationship as well as her relationship with Jimmy and that like it you know they were arguing about that like her accusing him I don't know
1: okay so so the 16 year old girl gets picked Uh up by these three dudes the police officer his mini me and some other thug life dude no the police officer some thug and the mini me
0: no, the mini-me was already at the apartment.
1: So she gets picked up by who?
0: The thug and the cop.
1: The thug and the cop she gets picked up by. Then she goes over to this, these two women's house, and there are two other dudes there.
0: And it was said that they, they took the cop car. So I'm like, how do you not know immediately that it was the cop? And then you're saying that when you got in the house, you knew it was the cop, but I don't Well,
1: that's know. the other thing, though. They could have picked her up under false pretenses, maybe? Maybe. And she didn't want to like say I had like drugs on me or I like, you know, maybe, maybe they yeah, like they're yeah. like get in the car. But then she yeah. must have known them because why would they like pick up this random girl and bring him to the
0: Right, like a six weird old, situation. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't weird. know. Weird. Okay. So some of her statements, like I, I I believe like the bit you know, the core of, it, of what yeah. happened. I mean but, maybe like, she's I, just
1: trying to protect herself by like not yeah, saying it, certain things.
0: I mean it took her like almost twenty years to come forward.
1: <laughs> I mean she could have been afraid for her life since there's a police officer involved.
0: So she said that when they were arguing, Fields pushed Karina on her bed and then Boyd grabbed Samantha and followed into the room. Samantha says that an argument continued and Field was saying something about Karina or s- something to Karina about opening her mouth and then told her that it was going to he was going to make sure that she got what she deserved. So like she's Ooh. he's saying like you're talking, you know, you're blabbing about something, you're going to get what uh-huh. you deserve. Uh-huh. Then, Lieutenant Billy Fields began beating Karina with a metal bar.
1: What the fuck?
0: And then proceeded to rape her. <gasps> and then, when he was done, all three other guys, Kramer, Boyd, and Springer, took turns raping her.
1: What the fuck?
0: They made Samantha watch everything. Then, Lieutenant Billy Fields, Uh-huh. A- asshole cop, grabbed Samantha, a 16-year-old child, and raped her on top of Karina. What the fuck? Then Fields went back to beating Karina some more with a metal pipe. And then to top it all off, he began stabbing her.
1: What the fuck?
0: Samantha said that she could hear the roommate, Angela, crying on the other side of the wall. Like, sobbing. What <laughs> Then... They wrapped Karina up in a comforter, and they put her in the trunk of her own car, Mm -hmm. and Billy Fields forced Samantha to drive, as he held a gun to her head,
1: Mm -hmm. he forced
0: her to drive to the city parking lot, or parking garage in Central City. When they arrived, somehow Jeff Boyd was already there, Mm -hmm. which is another weird thing, because um, I don't, like, he came in the cop car so i don't know Well they I don't obviously know if the have cop. other cars know. though Maybe but oh, she yeah, said that Oh yeah he must
1: have driven the cop car Maybe it was but... like a detective car
0: I don't I don't know ah, okay. I think it was a cop car Okay She said that when they got there it was around sunrise mm-hmm. and she said that as soon as she parked the car she made a run for it and fled to her grandmother's house that happened to be in that neighborhood and didn't speak about the incident why... for 20 years
1: I just don't get why they would have brought her along.
0: It doesn't make much sense.
1: Unless they're, like, trying to teach her a lesson, too, or something, you Maybe know?
0: intimidate her into, like, yeah, you're going to have to fall. Like, look what happens if you don't... Yeah. Whatever. Something. I'm not sure. And then... Okay, so she says that happened around sunrise. hmm And then another witness came forward, and he said that uh, in the early... He said that it was around, like, one a.m. and he was helping his dad close up his shop when he saw Boyd and Fields walking together near the parking garage. Hmm. So again, like if they're walking, mhm like what where's their car? Did they all get into Karina's car and then like half and for some reason Samantha just remembers Jeff being there later or I mean being there before them.
1: Well, I mean, the other part of it is like this is a sixteen-year-old who's clearly like been traumatized, so maybe her
0: and his twenty memory years later, so maybe you're not, yeah. is not
1: like super spot on, and you're just trying to like fill, you're just trying to like fill in that information for yourself to try and make it make sense. Could be. Maybe and who like who knows? I mean, yeah, who knows what they were doing? Yeah, I don't know. Um. Wait, so, I'm F- sorry, I'm getting confused. Fields is the
0: cop? Lieutenant, yeah, Billy so Fields. So he
1: and the gangster dude were seen walking together.
0: At, like, 1 a.m. At and 1 a.m. But then another witness said that they saw he saw them walking in the same area mm-hmm. at, like, 3 a.m. Hmm. And she's saying that she got abducted at, like, you know, 11 o'clock the night before. So it's not like... I mean, they could... were scouting it out, early, you know, and then they went and did it. But like, why are, why are they like well, spa- two hours spaced out walking around?
1: Either they have like, either the people who saw it, their timeline is off,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or. I mean, because this is also 20 years later that they're saying right, so
0: Right, so, so they don't I know. Mean, it's like, well, I remember it was, like, super late. It was, it like, midnight,
1: so, or, like, the middle of the night, so maybe it was, like, two, one to three. I don't know. Right. Okay.
0: Okay, so obviously Lieutenant Billy Fields was the first policeman to arrive at the scene since he was, like, in the yeah, neighborhood. Yeah,
1: he was, like, there.
0: <laughs> and because he was involved in the investigation, he handled a lot of the evidence they gathered.
1: Wow.
0: Some of which went missing, and oh. the rest he never sent to labs to be tested.
1: So what is his deal?
0: I'll tell you what his deal is. Okay. Well, I don't know what his full deal is, but I know <laughs> part of his deal. So, so he Angela... didn't even—he
1: didn't even like process the car. Obviously, anything no. that he did get, he threw away, and
0: yeah, on one his, thing like, I saw some
1: scratches and shit.
0: I think it was on that show that I watched that it said that he so when you send something to the lab, like the police, whoever's collected the evidence or something can like leave a note or whatever, like mm-hmm. inspect you know, check this, make sure that or whatever. Right. And on the evidence that was sent to the lab, it clearly wrote he wrote and signed like do not do not te- lab test or whatever. And That's so it so went obvious. to the lab. So that looked like it went to the lab, but then like it never actually got tested. And That's then he like lo- so lost obvious. a lot of it.
1: I mean, unless it's one of those things where it's, like, we don't have enough DNA, we're going to wait for, like, the DNA testing to get better kind of a thing, where they're like, don't test this yet, but just make sure you hold on to it kind of a thing.
0: But also, you have to remember, he's, like, a lieutenant, so he's pretty high up, Uh and he, you know, so people will trust that he's, why would he be involved? He's, like, the, you know, why is he, you know, whatever.
1: How would he have any kind of connection to, like, 20-somethings, you know?
0: It doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. So it Angela, the roommate, later said that Billy Fields had intimidated and threatened her, and that's why she initially said she didn't know anything, and yeah, then she made up the terrifying. story about being drunk. She
1: heard what drunk.
0: happened to her friend. Uh huh. In
1: their own house.
0: Literally inches away.
1: Uh. And she's got a kid. Mm mm.
0: Well, and Samantha said that Jimmy Springer, Karina's boyfriend, was not a willing participant. And even tried to help Karina, but that Fields and Boyd were bigger guys with power and weapons,
1: and that's why and... they arrested him right away.
0: Uh huh. According to what she says. But
1: then, I mean, he could have told. Why didn't he tell?
0: Because he's scared of Fields too. Uh. Like, he's being intimidated. He can't say there. Who's who are they going to believe? I know. A guy that's been in and out of jail for pot, or the lieutenant <laughs> of the police? Right. Come on. Right. But and I but I also read that like Fields often hung out in that group with Springer so they were it's kind weird. of friends already and yeah. so that it's basically Springer and Boyd and Mini-Me were selling drugs and stuff I think for Lieutenant Fields like he was getting you know confiscated weed or whatever mm-hmm. and then giving it to them and being like all right you got it, like you know, sell this stuff and then I get the profit whatever they mm-hmm. were in on it on a drug trafficking and I think that that's more the reason that he killed Karina, because um, at one point before her murder, she went to the police stating stating and talking to the central city police officer, John Scott, about Jeff Boyd, Jimmy Springer, and a third mm-hmm. guy, which I think were Kramer, involved in activities like selling drugs and manufacturing drugs and selling stolen property.
1: That's why he's S- like, if you're going to talk, i uh-huh. will teach you to talk.
0: Yeah, because, you know, he's profiting. So investigators later determined that Fields, Boyd, and Springer were partners in an interstate drug trafficking and stolen property ring. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Okay, so Officer John Scott thought it sounded like a good tip, and he told Fields, who was in charge of it, but this guy doesn't know. He's like, hey, I think you got drug trafficking in your county. Check this out. Like, this this girl's, like, going to, you know is a witness to this stuff
1: wait what how does he not how why oh,
0: sorry i didn't mean i didn't mean fields uh, oh the, imbe- the investigator didn't know if it was fields i think she was gonna narc on like S- springer and boyd and kramer or whatever and he was like oh oh good tip you better not investigate i'll investigate that what don't worry the about
1: fuck? it no
0: <laughs> yeah so you know john scott's like oh all right I gave it, I handed it off. It's set. No. He's going to look into it. And of course he didn't. And then one source, one source said that Karina and Fields met when she was caught shoplifting baby items and mm. had to do either probation or community service or something. And that the two mm-hmm. of them kind of formed some kind of sexual relationship during that mm-hmm.
1: time. Yeah. Cause it's like a single mom who's obviously like struggling. If she has to steal baby stuff i'm sure he could like manipulate her
0: exactly he's already intimidating the entire town Mm -hmm. um i don't know if i wrote it down somewhere but one one lady came forward years later and who lived across the street from karina's apartment Mm -hmm. and she noticed a cop car outside Karina's house that night.
1: See, this dude but, sucks. He like does obviously doesn't give a fuck. Like he knows but he that went he's- but
0: because he actually he intimidated her. He went to all the neighbors and was like, "Did you see anything that night? Did you see anything that night? Well, you know, yeah,
1: cuz he's like investigating. Right, he's
0: investigating, Ugh. right? But then he's like intimidating at the same time, like you better not have seen anything that night and they're like, "Okay, yeah, I didn't. Nope, I didn't see anything." So all the neighbors this said they dude heard nothing. Sucks. He they just like nothing. blatantly
1: goes in his own like fucking police car. And mm-hmm. he's like, "I know I'm not going to get in trouble for this." Oh.
0: Well, from what I read, apparently that county is pretty corrupt um, corrupt yeah
1: fuck. what the fuck kentucky not all uh, of kentucky just central city i guess
0: and then her dad said that her and angela had been sharing that apartment for about six months but then karina decided that she was going to move out and that she had most of her stuff packed and was going to leave the next morning. That's oh, why the God. daughter was at her grandma's so that she could finish packing and That's get all the awful. stuff ready. So it sounded like she was kind of...
1: Like going to hide out?
0: Well, and like she maybe hide out, but also I think she was, it seemed like she was tired of being around these people and... Well,
1: and she was probably terrified w- that she just like told on a fucking cop and she doesn't want them all to know where she lives. Like, fuck.
0: Yeah she's got to get a new too. start
1: and her kid like she can't put her kid's life in danger like that like good for right. her taking responsibility and like leaving but that sucks
0: yeah so she, she was, was so gonna leave close. that day hmm samantha testified at a 2009 trial statement um along with other evidence gathering during the investigation led to the indictments of fields kramer and boyd good A court observer who saw crime photos of the victim at the 2009 trial said that Mm -hmm. Karina was so badly beaten and mutilated that her race or gender could not be readily determined. Oh, God. One witness testified to supposedly seeing Boyd with a gun in Karina's face the day of or before her death, obviously before her death, hearing him say, "'You owe us pay or die,' indicating she might have owed him money, but there was also no real indication that Karina used any drugs and no no drugs.
1: it's just the fact that she, like, spoiled their plan.
0: Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe that. And now they're
1: going to be, like, looking, watching the evidence room or whatever.
0: Yeah, that's true. No drugs or alcohol were found in her system the night she was killed, so she was sober. Billy Fields was retired from the police force, enjoying his pension when he was arrested. Piece of shit. He was like out on a boat doing yeah, of boating course, things and mm-hmm. dick
1: shit. Stuff. Dick shit.
0: <laughs> All the dick shit. Yeah. All the defendants were tried together. Oh. Except so the the those three were tried together and then Angela and Springer were tried separately. They were also indicted. Why? Well because they were there and no one said anything, and also they Springer was accused. Springer was accused of. Samantha said that Springer had raped her, even if it was against his will, he raped her. Uh huh. Yeah. So oh, and he was being charged for perjury from his first trial, which I think was just like him lying because he had to try and like not indi you know indicate that Billy Fields was involved in any way. So he mm-hmm. probably perjured himself trying to be like, oh, you know, like. Whatever, I don't know what he said during his trial. It was unclear what he was, why he was being charged for perjury. And Angela was charged with complicit, complicity.
1: She was fucking scared for her life. Mm Mm-hmm. So, her roommate who talked got, like, brutalized and murdered. Why is she gonna fucking talk? Exactly. Ugh.
0: And then, and then for some reason, before trial, Judge Edwin White Mm -hmm. decided to lower the bonds for Fields and Kramer... So that they would just be on house arrest until their trial.
1: Uh, no, Uh, they're violent and scary. Yes.
0: Brutally murdered someone.
1: And the witnesses are in danger. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh.
0: And um, Jimmy Kramer, he stated... I'd like to let them know that I didn't have nothing to do with it. Which, Mm. double negative, that means you did.
1: You totally did, Jimmy.
0: (laughs) And then he said, and I hope whoever did gets what's coming to them because nobody don't deserve that, which means somebody did deserve it. So I, you know, your code (laughs) language is not working out, Jimmy boy. (laughs) My most goes out to them because what was wrong, there wasn't nothing right about it. Well, that's and, true. And, <laughs> you know, the double negatives run deep deep within. So I think he's, like, really saying that he's guilty, but, like, making it sound like he's not using those clever double negatives.
1: That's that's the whole, that's his gamut. He's, like, back the in. The
0: whole enchilada. Smart. Well, Lieutenant yeah. Billy Fields was found guilty of murder first-degree rape, kidnapping, first-degree sodomy, and tampering with physical evidence and sentenced to life in prison. Good. Yay! Good. Jeff Boyd also received a life sentence for murder, rape, and kidnapping.
1: And Kramer
0: was sentenced to 60 years in prison. Okay. And then I think that Springer was released. So obviously because of Double Jeopardy, Springer... Couldn't be tried again for her murder, so he was just right. tried for the the well, perjury sound and like the he rape. Did
1: murder her though,
0: right? But I mean, you know, uh, what is it? Conspiracy or not conspiracy? Uh, co what is it? Co murder? You know, if you're there, co murder. <laughs> you, if you're there, even if you didn't take a swing, you're like complicit in it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Co murder. Co murder. By, by uh...
1: Mom's gonna be yelling what it is while she listens to this.
0: Mom, what is it? Speak louder. We can't hear you. <laughs> and then so i think that springer was released for that just like you know got probation or something but since then he's been in and out of jail for drug charges for weed still probably Mm. i mean so not a not much changed but and then i think angela got probation or some kind of you know
1: i don't agree with that
0: i don't either but They were all saying that, you know, Angela was part of their friend group and that she was there. Like They were all hanging out. They were all part of it. Yeah, she
1: chose the wrong friends and then, like, was terrified.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's... I wouldn't have... Yeah. Eh. Mm. Ugh. It's a tough one. And then in 2015, the case was called into question when it seemed the prosecuting attorney, Tim Coleman, on the case... Was recused, including his staff, because two attorneys of the defendants claimed he violated their rights and withheld evidence. Ooh. They claimed that Coleman cut a deal with the star witness Samantha Robinson. Yeah. So that her husband Mike Robinson would receive special consideration at his sentencing to an unrelated drug manufacturing and trafficking charges.
1: Yeah, so but they're they were always like, oh, it's really.
0: Like, well, it's really convenient that, like, she's only coming up telling us all this stuff when it's possible to get her husband a deal, but before then, like, she didn't come forward and say anything.
1: Well, didn't they have the. Didn't they have, like, whatever the dude sent to the lab? Like, couldn't they have tested that?
0: I didn't find any evidence. Well, most of. Okay. Or, like, from what I understand, most on of the knife stuff. Or anything? I don't know. Mm. I really don't know what they had for physical evidence. It's, I. I mean, I wish that I knew, but I couldn't really find much, um, and from what I understand, a good majority of the evidence was conveniently lost, so that it wasn't been able well, to- Well,
1: if that's not suspicious, <laughs>
0: like, what the fuck? I mean,
1: but yeah. I don't know if they're like, oh, we cut a deal. That happens all the fucking time they cut deals.
0: Yeah.
1: And the police car was, like, seen to be there, and that dude, like, fucking sucks.
0: Yep. I mean, I think he did it for sure. Yeah, so you know like they're it. trying to it's the lawyer's job to yeah, well, <laughs> try and get their, their, their job, yeah. clients out. Yeah. But um apparently attorney Dennis Berkey successfully convinced Christian circuit judge, which is that a place or is that a thing?
1: I'm, hope, I'm hoping it's a place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Christian Circuit Judge Andrew Self, not Sylphie, but just Self, um, that yes, Coleman self may have to testify at a special hearing about exculpatory evidence withheld by the Commonwealth that could exonerate his client, Billy Fields, as well as Jimmy Kramer.
1: Okay, we'll say that that is the prosecution's bad because usually, like, in Law & Order, they're supposed to ask, you know, are you getting a deal for being here? <laughs> and they're supposed to be able to say, yeah, I am. But let me yeah, explain that, Yeah, what is that, this like,
0: lawyer not watching Law & Order yeah, for? don't you know? How is he going to get an education? <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, but I feel like that's like part of their thing—is they're supposed to say so that this doesn't happen in the future, you know? So right. that they don't get. I no mean, heel.
0: you you don't want to leave any holes. Unburied no, buried or what yeah. are they called? <laughs> holes undug, holes buried. Holes buried. You want to bury all your holes. Bury all and, the holes
1: uh, and don't leave them undug. What? Right,
0: <laughs> something like that. You know, loopholes. <laughs> you got to bury them. <laughs> I don't Tighten know. up those
1: holes. I don't know.
0: Yep, I don't know. But (laughs) I'm not really sure what happened with that appeal, because I couldn't find any information after 2015, so maybe it just didn't go anywhere. Hopefully. Hopefully.
1: Because really, I don't think, like, honestly, if I was the judge, I would have been like, I don't think that information would have changed the outcome of the trial. I think that you had, like, a lot of other good evidence, or even if it was, like, circumstantial, you had, like, a lot of, you know... Solid evidence. I mean,
0: maybe, like, if he was charged with the death penalty, maybe they'd be like, oh, maybe we'll, like, try, we'll, like, bring this into evidence and maybe you'll just get life. Right. But I don't think it would have changed, like, you're, you're still guilty. Yeah. It's just a loophole.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Crooked as fuck.
1: Yeah. What the fuck? That was awful. And that poor child has no mother now because she was trying to do the right thing and be like, these dudes are, like, selling drugs.
0: hmm Ugh.
1: That'll suck.
0: Yep. So the tossed salad and the scrambled egg
1: a tossed salad a scrambled egg
0: the tossed salad a
1: tossed salad
0: and the scrambled egg
1: a scrambled egg so a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway
0: Right. So the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to com- compartmentalize. And a
1: scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong, and they're just completely scrambled.
0: Just one component, one-track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. Definitely tossed a tossed salad.
1: salad
0: all an, of them. In, an intimidating toss salad
1: that's fucking terrifying
0: cuz apparently he intimidated the whole town i
1: believe it
0: you know and it's small town so everyone kind of knows everyone mm-hmm. and everyone knows that's n- the crazy thing about
1: like a lot of these clo- closed cold cases like i feel like they know and a lot of times i feel like they know uh-huh. who did it they just can't
0: they can't they what can't are you supposed to do it. you can't and you it was can't, like can't, earlier yeah. when you said well why didn't the boyfriend call the police because he right. knows exact. First of all, he knew what happened, and secondly, he knows that the police are corrupt. Right. Guy. He's not gonna. Uh. Like, why would he call the police?
1: And that's why no one like reported her missing. Or that's so fucked up.
0: Yeah. Exactly. That, yeah. I mean,
1: he like he really lucked out though. Because if people were like, you know, this is such a brutal crime, we want to just put someone away for it. He mm-hmm. like is so lucky that they didn't put him away for that. Because yeah, it's yep. super suspicious that nobody like called police and it is super suspicious like you know when you black out and fall asleep and then usually you wake up and have like a restless rest of your night like i don't know how long you like black out for but i don't you know it's like that's gonna be that's gonna take a long time to like beat her up and kill her like that you know like
0: and you would have heard
1: something so
0: i don't want to get too political but you know if jimmy was not white he would have been in in, in invicted, convicted, and yeah, put away. Yeah. So.
1: Well, yeah, he got <laughs> yeah he got lucky that he was white and that that yeah. jury was like, oh, "What the fuck? There's nothing here." Yeah. yeah. Wow, and they Yikes. rushed it so they like rushed it so much that.
0: So I had never heard that case yeah. until I saw that, and like the the entire time I was watching the show because they do it. You know, to set up so that it fills out the whole whatever half hour, 45 minutes. So it's like, could it be this person? And they make you really think it's this one person. Like, they really, like, at first they were like, it's the roommate. And then you're like, oh, yeah. Then it's like, it's the boyfriend. You're like, definitely. And then you're like, oh, and the, um, I think Angela was dating either Kramer or Boyd. So it was like, they were like, oh, the roommate had a drug-dealing boyfriend. Oh. And it was like, oh, it's the drug-dealing boyfriend. And then I mean, it kind of was. It like, kinda was. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of all of them.
1: <laughs> Fuck, that's horrible.
0: Right? Mm. Did not see that coming, did mm. you?
1: That was an unusual suspect.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Good job.
0: Thanks.
1: Yeah. Okay, so mine is Awful.
0: Oh joy.
1: Yeah, it's really bad. Um I only used two sources because they were like very in depth and it was already getting pretty pretty mm-hmm. lengthy. <laughs> so my sources are from the Smithsonian mag and famoustrials.com.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: Yeah. So, on March 16th, 1925 in oh. uh <laughs> So it's the morning. I'm
0: hearing, I'm hearing like what's that music?
1: What music?
0: Like flapper girl music.
1: Oh yeah. Some of that uh
0: big band stuff. Yeah. Is that
1: it? Jazzy. No, what's
0: it fucking called? What is
1: it called? Swing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't okay. Know. Anyway, you know Damn the music. It. You heard it, you love it, you know it. Just you know it from
0: when you were alive dance-y. in the nineteen twenties, <laughs> dancing your heart out.
1: So it's the it's the Wee hours of the morning on March 16th uh, in a hotel room in Hammond, Indiana, 29-year-old Madge, which is like the most 20s name,
0: Madge,
1: Oberholzer, Whoa. she reached into the pocket of the man sleeping next to her. She found the grip of his revolver (gasps) and slid it out inch by inch, praying that he wouldn't stir. The man was D.C. Stevenson, a political power broker and grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan in Whole twenty-three northern states.
0: Shit. So I don't. Also, I mean, not to be rude, but with a name like what was it, Oben
1: Hopper? What's that? what's her name? Her name was Madge Oberholzer.
0: Oberholzer. I just like imagine yeah. like a body Oberholzer? like a. Uber, like a what is it called? You know, a super now you're muscular losing all your people. words. God damn it! A bodybuilder, bo- like a oh. huge bodybuilder. You know? <laughs> no, she's
1: not. She's actually okay. a petite twenty-nine-year-old woman.
0: <laughs> damn, my imagination is wrong again.
1: Okay. So she like slips this gun out of his pocket really carefully. Holy shit. She aimed the gun between his closed mm. eyes, <gasps> and then she thought. That she would disgrace her family if she were to commit murder. So instead, she was going to kill herself. (gasps) No, what? So she crept this. This is like, okay, this is a Smithsonian mag. So they're in depth. So she creeps into the adjoining room, faced a full length mirror beneath her dress. Chunks of her were missing.
0: What? Wait! What? Wait! Bite
1: marks covered her face, neck, breasts, back, legs, and
0: ankles. I'm guessing she didn't do
1: that to herself. Uh, how are you gonna bite
0: your neck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, and it looks ridiculous. She
1: was bleeding from the mouth. Oh my god! She had even chewed her tongue. <gasps> <gasps> what? What? Shoot him! Shoot him!
0: Self-defense.
1: So she grabs the gun and she like puts it to her temple. Oh my but then god, my voice heard... is so
0: high right now. I'm so like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs>
1: she heard. What steps... are you telling me? <laughs> she heard steps outside the door, Mm-mm. and then the like doorknob turns. <clears throat> it was one of Stevenson's associates, so she buried the gun into a fold of her dress and slipped Ew. it back into the man's pocket. She'd have to find another way to kill herself if he didn't kill her first.
0: What in the hell is this? Okay, we can't tell made-up stories.
1: This is fucking awful, and it's real.
0: Are you just trying to get me back for last week?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why I did this one. I was was writing it. I was like, this is fucking awful. This is so fucking awful. So... It was the beginning of the end for both Madge and for D.C. Stevenson. Do you know D.C. Stevenson? Yeah. I Personally, even no. I <laughs> no. Do you know about him?
0: Not Nothing in detail.
1: Okay. So, he he was a politician, and oh, at no. one point he said, I am the law in Indiana. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Time
0: mm-hmm. to put him down. That's... <laughs> nope. No, mm-hmm. At... Come on.
1: At age... 33 stevenson was one of the most powerful men in the state having controlled the governor's election oh, and the movements of several state legislatures influencing bills on nutrition steam pollution fire insurance highways and even oleo margarine i guess oh. he had it out for did margarine. you know
0: is it in india it's in one state that like if it's not butter, yeah. you, you're you not allowed to call it anything but—you can't call it like—you can't say like butter substitute. You have to call it margarine.
1: Dude, it's probably because of D.C. Stevenson. So thank God he was a real person and alive and <laughs> making laws we all care about.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good thing. I cannot stand it when a company says, this is—I can't believe it's not butter— you know? I can't
1: believe it is margarine, is what theirs and, has to say. Right. <laughs> uh, so he did all this at 33.
0: I know, it's making me feel...
1: No, this dude sucks. You don't want to be anything yeah, like this yeah, I dude. don't... Exactly. He That's why I luck.
0: was torn to say... Also, I was going to say, wow, I feel really unaccomplished, but at the same time, I have a really bad feeling. Well, I know Yeah. I don't have a bad feeling. I know <laughs> it's, he's a bad guy. Really bad guy. But
1: also, like, this is the 20s, so you have to get your shit done early in life because you're going to die, like, soon, so. (laughs) You're not going to live very long.
0: Right. You got to, like, get married, have kids by the time you're, like, 13, and then so you can retire by the time you're, like, 40.
1: If you can retire. If you make it to 40. (laughs) So his his hand-picked candidate for mayor of Indianapolis... He seemed like he was really gonna win the election, and Stevenson had dreams of running for the U.S. Senate and even president someday. Oh, good! Wouldn't he have made the <laughs> best president? It would have been something like what we have going on right now. I would I was imagine. Going to say,
0: I'm pretty sure that it's going to be exactly. Uh, like
1: yeah, that. a dude who is a uh, racist and abuses women. Mm, yeah. Sounds yep. very familiar. Check, check.
0: We got that up in the office.
1: Yeah, just like you know, a hundred years later. So maybe it is
0: this he does look like he could be a dude. Oh my god. Is his face falling off? What is happening? Did you have you seen Mitch McConnell's face? It looks like it's literally falling off.
1: He is very saggy and gross. And I know that people like they're like, Oh he's such a turtle, but it's like turtles are way cuter and sweeter and way more innocent than that dude. He's
0: not a turtle. turtle. I think like his skin suit is becoming (laughs) infected and he needs a new one fast. It's literally Ew. like his hands are like decaying Ew. away. What is happening? Anyway, Ew. back to this.
1: I mean, I think all the evil inside of him is eating him from the inside out, hopefully. <laughs> so Stevenson's political success was directly tied to his leadership with the clan huh funny Uh see that's what you need to do to be successful is you got to join up with a
0: group (laughs) just be a bigot so like get find a big a big group with a lot of money that can promote yeah you you. (laughs) got
1: to find a big group and then get on their good side
0: yeah so
1: (laughs) the clan by 1925 had a quarter million members in Indiana alone.
0: Holy... That's probably all of Indiana. Well,
1: accounting for more than 30% of the state's white male population. Well, that's
0: that's lower that's than I expected.
1: A little... That's a lot of people. It's a
0: lot of people, but I don't know. That's... In, yeah, that's... Ugh.
1: So that same year, the Indiana KKK was the largest state branch in the Klan's invisible empire... Ew! <laughs> Invisible Empire. Yeah, like that. Oh at the height of its popularity, the clan was a mainstream organization whose roster included lawyers, doctors, college professors, ministers, and politicians at every level. Most of them, middle and upper class, don't have any kind white of education. Protestant.
0: Well, there you go. We're yeah, looking. you would hope so. Sorry. But
1: okay, so. That's right. Upper middle class white Protestants who performed community service and supported prohibition. (laughs) So
0: boring.
1: Yeah, dude. So boring. Diversity (laughs) is the spice of life. Like hanging out all white. And then they're like not even drinking to like.
0: Oh, God. It's just like. No, they
1: suck. They're all pasty and gross. So. The Klan exploited nativist fears of foreign ethnic groups and religions, Catholicism in particular. Interesting, isn't it? Mm. But now the Catholics are like all for the white supremacists, so it's uh-huh. like what's happening there. So, so in Indiana, the Klan's focus was not necessarily the prejudice. Uh, against, like, black people. Out in Indiana, everyone seems to be long, reported at the New York Times, 1923. Easterners to have been surprised. <laughs> the New York Times.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Easterners have been surprised at the ready conquest by the Klan of a state which seemed, of all our 48, the least imperiled by any kind of menace. Really? <laughs> so I think that maybe they're issue isn't so much with black people because maybe there aren't as many black people there
0: maybe but like also like i said who's writing the article
1: (laughs) someone in the new york times i don't know so i guess i think maybe their their whole thing was mostly like we got to make everyone protestant and get them to stop drinking and we got to like get political i don't know God. So within a few weeks of his installation as Grand Dragon, Ooh. so Stevenson became the Grand Dragon, he was entertaining politicians on his new yacht, which like we've covered before, I don't know what a
0: fucking yacht is. Do we think that like when you get the position of Grand Dragon, you like get a yacht? It's like part of the package. Yeah, like, probably. Here's your new robe and yeah. your yacht.
1: Pointy hat and here's a yacht. I don't know. So they're out on Lake Erie on this yacht, and on the yacht were U.S. senators, congressmen, judges, governors, and several state legislatures.
0: All wearing robes.
1: All hanging out in their white robes. You don't want to get sunburnt on that yacht. That's so. true.
0: White is a good color. It reflects all the sun get off. A sh- yeah. and you don't get too hot. And you don't hot. want to get any shade darker because yeah, right. it's iffy so
1: they're well, all yeah. pasty anyway so
0: they'll shipwreck you or yacht wreck you or whatever it's called <laughs>
1: in 1924 the elections stevenson helped build the Klan into a potential on uh, a potent political force so candidates favored by the kkk they they got like door to door campaigning from the clan.
0: <laughs> clan painting.
1: Oh clan, <laughs> clan painting. And they like gave out little slates. Of I'm just the imagining that they
0: have on their robes, they have the little you know, the signs that you put out in your lawn, but it's just like on yeah. your robe instead. And you just yeah. go door to door showing people your robe and they're like Yeah, oh.
1: vote for whoever. They're like
0: vote Trump and they're like, Gotcha, KKK man.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, Stevenson, his idea of the perfect candidate was a nervous person what? who <laughs> who thought he needed the voters that the KKK could bring out. So someone who'd be willing to rely on the KKK, sure, and in return would be willing to promise support for the Klan's agenda.
0: Well, yeah, you got to have a puppet, basically.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So, so one, so his dream candidate turned out to be Ed Jackson. Ed the man who would become governor of Indiana. So that's like his so, puppet Jackson. His ideal puppet Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so while his influence grew in politics, his relationship with the K's imperial wizard, wow, Hiram <laughs> Evans.
0: <laughs> it's like with names they're like so that, dumb. you're like, are you? No, are don't. you like what? 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 How old they're, are you?
1: <laughs> they're like dangerous. I'm gonna children. be the so dragon
0: with the shiny gold wings.
1: Well, wizards are more powerful than dragons, so I'm gonna be the wizard.
0: No, because I can blow fire <laughs> at you, so I could burn you down. And I have a, a
1: magic wand, so I can like zap you. Well,
0: basically, I have all the gold in the world, so I'm a dragon.
1: Well, I could fly. Basically, I, I own you. So damn it. Wizard's better. Wizard wins.
0: <laughs> it's like rock paper so, scissors. Wizard lizard. I mean,
1: <laughs> <laughs> lizard Wizard, lizard lizard. <laughs> so Hiram Evans and uh, Stevenson started to have like a feud happening. Mm. They were feuding over finances and priorities. So Stevenson decided to resign as the Grand Dragon. In the fall of 1923. But in May of 1924, he reclaimed the title of Grand Dragon. He's
0: like, dragon again, I called it.
1: Of a new clan in Indiana.
0: Did he form this clan?
1: Well, he didn't really form it, but they were like independent of uh, Hiram Evans Mm. National Organization. So he didn't like really have to deal with Evans. And... So, Stevenson uh, once said of Evans in a letter to a friend, the present national head is an ignorant, which, come on, uneducated, (laughs) also, come on, uncouth individual who picks his nose at the table and eats peas with his knife.
0: Well, that's the real reason reason. he should have brought that up front. I mean, come on. (laughs) Who eats peas with peas with a knife? Obviously, got something wrong.
1: Yeah, but it's like you're you are gonna call someone else ignorant and uneducated. I mean, if the shoe fits both of you, I mean,
0: if the I sh- if the P splits,
1: uh, yeah. So then one time Stevenson said in a speech to his Indiana clan members, "We are going to Clux, Indiana, Ew. as she has never been Cluxed before." It's <laughs> a <was like> and- <laughs> The fiery we chicken. <laughs> I know. We're going Indiana and, like, and the fiery cross is going to burn at every crossroads in Indiana as long as there is a white man left in the state.
0: I don't get the whole cross burning I know. thing. It's like aren't you
1: Christian or whatever? You're they're Protestants, Protestant, so Protestant,
0: yeah. So you're burning yeah. Jesus. I don't get Well, they're it.
1: cluxing everyone. They're cluxing the shit out of the world. <laughs>
0: Yeah, chickens aren't the brightest.
1: So, so Davis Curtis Stevenson.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He um. Oh, I also wanted to say I was watching a different forensic files, and there was someone else named David Davis, <gasps> but it was like his real name, but he was also kind of like a con man too. But I, I was mean, like,
0: Look, what the fuck? David is a really common name, and Davis yeah. is a really common last name. There's yeah, got to so be a lot of David together, Davises. You know. it just sounds fake. <laughs>
1: So no one really knew Davis Curtis Stevenson very well and they really didn't know anything about him. Hmm. He would say, I'm a nobody from nowhere really, but I've got the biggest brains.
0: Oh I'm going
1: to be the biggest man in the United States. So it sounds reminiscent of, you know, our president now. Uh
0: huh. Look at me, I'm a big man. I've
1: got big brains.
0: Big brains. I'm important. Mm.
1: He also told, like, close friends that his father was a wealthy businessman from South Bend who had sent him to college.
0: Oh, so it Uh, is like Trump.
1: (laughs) But he quit to work in the coal business in Evansville Uh. in the southwestern part of the state. So when America entered World War I in 1917, Stevenson said that he volunteered for the army and was decorated for fighting the Germans in France. Upon his return, he learned that he was a millionaire. Stocks he had purchased before the war. Man,
0: the number of times I have just gone abroad and then come back and I'm like, what's this? I have a million dollars in my bank account? Man, I love when that happens.
1: He also did well wholesaling coal and running an automobile accessory business. And then he joined the Klan in 1921. Uh, (sighs) And then he was appointed... To the head of the organization by Knights in Atlanta.
0: Cute.
1: Yeah, but in reality, so that's what Stevenson said. But the real story mm. is okay. Stevenson, yeah, he didn't turn out <laughs> to be a surprise millionaire. Stevenson <laughs> what? was born. Don't in... ruin my dreams.
0: I'm hoping that's gonna happen to me one day.
1: Well, oh, then you gotta buy stocks, and that's always sketchy too. Mm. So, Stevenson was born in 1891 in Houston, Texas. He was the son of a sharecropper. Then the family moved to Maysville, Oklahoma, where he attended school in a Methodist church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he was an avid reader, especially interested in politics and history, and graduated from 8th grade... At age 16.
0: <laughs> so he's really brilliant is what um, you're telling me.
1: He's got the biggest brain. I
0: mean, he liked learning so much that he stayed a couple extra years, right? Is that not, that's what that means, right?
1: I don't know. Or he got started really late. I'm not sure.
0: Maybe. If um, he's like farming, maybe he's going to school half the year. Yeah, takes, I'm like, thinking that he's
1: probably not going <clears throat> very often. Okay, so his eighth grade uh, accomplishment was the end of his formal education.
0: Very good. And
1: I'm just going to put this out there. If you're getting your education at a school in a Methodist church yeah. and you go up to eighth grade, yep. I just don't know how much you're actually learning. So,
0: not not very broad topics. It's very much like this is then, how we do it and this is what it is.
1: Then he yeah. got a job with a socialist newspaper. And studied the party's leadership, particularly Oscar Ameringer, who would go on to advocate for African-American enfranchisement and help elect an anti-Klan governor.
0: Okay, so there was the potential to learn and grow your brain.
1: So Stevenson admired Ameringer's style. Ameringer's style? Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, The way that he sold politics as if he were a vaudeville pitchman, which sounds fun. (laughs) And then he would later implement the socialist techniques at rallies for the Klan.
0: So he's, like, absorbing,
1: like, what works and what doesn't. So in 1915, Stevenson started dating a local girl named Nettie Hamilton. All these names are, like, so classic. I know. He put a picture of her in the newspaper under the headline, The Most Beautiful Girl in Oklahoma.
0: Wow. I mean, but also, that's trying a little hard.
1: Yeah, it's kind of
0: (laughs) very cheesy.
1: So then they married and moved to Medill, where he worked at a local newspaper. But Stevenson got into a fight with his publisher after a bout of drinking, and he lost his job. And that was going to be like a pattern of his life. Ah. He then abandoned his pregnant wife, the most beautiful girl in Oklahoma, <laughs> and he drifted to Cushing in nineteen seventeen. Nettie tracked him down and filed for divorce after which Stevenson volunteered for the army, although instead of fighting bravely on the battlefields of Europe, I as figured he, liked to say he, that he did
0: didn't. <laughs>
1: He was sent to Boone, Iowa, to work as a recruiter.
0: Ah, the fields of Iowa.
1: Mm. <sighs> Just as dangerous Just, as fighting the Germans. I mean,
0: if not more dangerous, if you ask <laughs> me, you know. So, <laughs> so brave.
1: After the war, he took a job as a traveling salesman in Akron, Ohio, where he met his next wife, Violet Carroll. So he's getting, like, all kinds of training and to, like, basically be a good salesman.
0: Right. Right. That's what a politician is. He's, like, setting himself up to, like,
1: be a politician. Yeah. Yeah. So the couple moved to Evansville, Indiana, where Stevenson worked as a stock salesman for the Citizens Coal Company and where uh, the newly revitalized KKK was taking root.
0: Mm. So, like,
1: right place at the right time. Am I right?
0: Right, right.
1: So he he was a very private person because he was lying about his life and he didn't want people (laughs) to, like, catch on, I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, I don't want to look too deeply into it.
1: Right. So he said one time, it's no one's business where I was born or who my folks were.
0: Okay. Like we didn't even ask, but geez (laughs) getting all testy about it. (laughs) We won't.
1: But he was like a charming (laughs) dude and he made friends easily, kind of because his salesman background, I'm guessing.
0: Mm.
1: And but despite his limited education, he was a decent speaker. So when Bob Williams
0: way of talking, right?
1: That's right. Also, he like wrote for newspapers, so you'd think that he'd have like a pretty good grasp on the
0: English language. English language.
1: <laughs> so when a local clan organizer asked him to get involved with the clan, Stevenson initially was like, oh, no, I don't think so. But then he said they kept after me and explained to me that the clan was not an organization which took Negroes out, oh, cut off their geez. noses, and Whoop. threw them into the fire. Oh, oh okay. I, well, as long as
0: it's not that.
1: I was the told fuck? that the clan was a strictly patriotic organization they finally convinced me the Klan was a good thing and I joined ew, so that's a direct quote from him ordinate. I'm not you know no
0: yeah of course of course uncomfortable <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: so as Stevenson uh, as his career took off his marriage did not mm-hmm. he drank a lot even though the clan was all about prohibition, but you know,
0: whatever. well, it's like, you um, know, as long as no one else is doing it, we're just going to secretly. That's why their robes are so yeah. big they can tuck their head in like a turtle and they've got uh-huh. like drinks in there and they can just like, you know, secretly drink.
1: Uh-huh, turtle in a loose skin suit. Turtle power. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So he was a heavy drinker, and then he would, like, get into these crazy wild rages because he was a dick. Uh, one time he gave his wife a black eye, and another time he scratched her face well, and kicked her.
0: I mean, he was just showing her the importance of the hood part of the robe, you know? Like, look, you can get a black eye and put the hood on, and nobody knows the difference. So... hmm
1: so after their divorce, obviously in 1922, Good for her. <laughs> Stevenson began dating his 22-year-old secretary. Yucky. He would bring her on work trips to Ohio, where he was establishing new offices for the Klan.
0: Oh goody. D-
1: during one such uh, excursion, they were parked in his Cadillac with the lights off on a country road in the oh. outskirts of Columbus. And then a deputy sheriff walks up, and he stops to investigate, and he's like, uh, what are you doing there with your pants unbuttoned, oh. he asked. <laughs> and then Stevenson grabs the girl's left hand and thrusts it towards the window. What? He said, my God, would you insult this girl? Did you see that ring, that diamond ring? I'm going to marry this girl. We are engaged.
0: Oh, and then the officer's like, well... I'm sorry, I didn't notice the engagement ring. Continue, carry on.
1: And then he added that he was an official and couldn't afford to have all this notoriety and publicity. So at the end of the day, he pled guilty to a parking citation and indecent exposure.
0: Mm, You know, he could have just gone with, I had a big lunch needed to let the pants out, you know. He pretty much indicted himself. (sighs) Uh,
1: I think more than just... Uh, his pant- I think it was more than just oh. unbuttoned pants.
0: Well, you know, sometimes you gotta breathe. It's, it's hot. It's real hot, I think, where they are. I'm not sure. I forgot where they are right now, uh, but,
1: Columbus. Oh, <laughs>
0: uh, well, I mean, you know, I don't know.
1: So, Stevenson had another run-in soon after that. Joseph Cleary, a secretary officer for the Deschler Hotel in Columbus, was called to check on a report of a disturbance in Stevenson's room on the upper floor.
0: Well, just he, giving a couple more black eyes, is he?
1: Well, he found a shattered mirror, mm. smashed chairs, empty bottles of alcohol all over the floor. The hotel's manicurist reported that when she arrived at Stevenson's appointment. There were three full quarts of whiskey, and when I told him I didn't want any, he came over and grabbed me. He said that he would give me $100 if I would allow him to have intercourse with me. Of course, he was more rude than I cared to be in Uh, expressing it. I told him that I was not in the habit of being insulted by anyone like that, and he said, You will, or I'll kill you. (gasps)
0: Wow. He then
1: punched out a bellboy who had attempted to, like, help her, and she fled and ran into two of his associates outside who tried to console her. Shit. They said, don't pay any attention to him. He's a good fellow when he... He's a good fellow. He is drunk. He's all right when he's sober. You go downstairs and don't bother about it.
0: Well, she... I mean, goddamn, she's lucky that those people were... That the bell hop- Was there and that came
1: to help her, yeah, because Uh, that would have
0: been really bad. I mean, it was really bad, but it could have gotten a lot Mm -hmm. worse if it was just her. Mm -hmm. Also, is it weird that (laughs) I'm just a little bit hung up that he had a manicurist come over?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, you gotta have good fingernails.
0: Well, I guess when you're wearing a robe and a hood, all you see is hands, so you gotta have your hands looking good.
1: (laughs) The hands gotta look good, (laughs) but also it could have been just like a ruse to get her up there,
0: right. I mean... He could have been
1: like, I don't know of any male manicurists, so it's a good bet that this is going to be a woman (laughs) if I call her up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can't call the bellboy because it's a boy. I can't call the doorman. Uh, Right. I've never really into a hotel where they have an on-site manicurist but maybe i'm going to the wrong place
1: <laughs> how fancy is that i want to stay at a hotel with a obviously with a manicurist.
0: way above our price range yeah obviously
1: <laughs> we've never even heard of such a thing look i know we'll when just, i read this i was next like next time
0: we go to a motel we'll just paint each other's nails It'll be
1: fun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, like knock on the door the manicurist is here
0: <laughs> we'll play manicurist that'd be fun
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah when i read that i was like what hotels have that what
0: Although maybe it was crazy. like a nineteen twenties type thing.
1: Yeah, but how many people were getting manicures back then?
0: I mean people were still. I guess the rich people were, shit, right? So, yeah, I would assume.
1: Such a crazy thought. I don't know. They had like nail polish. <laughs> Obviously not like acrylics, right? They didn't have like fake nails, did they? <sighs>
0: I do you know what? I know nothing about the history of
1: I don't either. I might look into that.
0: That's interesting.
1: So, back to away from nails. In the fall of 1924, a young actress attending a party at Stevenson's home told investigators that he had locked her in a room, Uh knocked her down, bit her, and tried to force himself on her. (gasps) So this guy is just, like, the fucking worst. By early summer of 1924, Hiram Evans, remember him? Mm Mm-hmm saw Steven's pattern of, Stevenson's pattern of intoxication biting and attempted rape as a means to rid the clan of his nemesis for good. Which, yeah, get that dude out. I mean, it's I not mean, like you guys are doing yeah, good exactly, work or anything, like, but if you're not trying to associate I mean, with him, it's like he uh, must be really bad.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure you got, I mean, uh, if you're in the KKK, you're a shit person anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, we don't want to hang out with you yeah real Uh, like i mean either that or you're a
1: good person i don't
0: know i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah that's true Uh, you could be just like a normal person and they're like you don't believe in our fucked up ideals we don't want to hang out with you and like good i don't want to hang out with you either but
1: in this thought you let anyone
0: into that club (laughs) because it's
1: uh, not anyone you got to be white and protestant and male (laughs) That's true. He wanted to put students in, in front of the clan tribunal. Oh. I guess they have their own like court system. That's
0: adorable. <laughs>
1: uh yeah, they get all dressed up and hang out with their friends and play
0: court. Do you so, think they put like the curly white hair on top of their hood?
1: <laughs> That's British. <laughs> so Uh I'm just picturing it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> He, uh, how do they make them stand up? Do they like <laughs> That's back? That's the real
0: question. <laughs> do you think there's, what is like, in wire there to in make there? it so pointy? What
1: is that? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Asking the real questions.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so he wanted to. He wanted to try Stevenson mm-hmm. for the charges of habitual drunkenness
0: mm-hmm. and
1: demonstrating disrespect for virtuous womanhood.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. sure
1: i don't love the virtuous i don't love the thing verbiage
0: but you know, at least like, like they're like we don't like that you're not being that you're like basically women. raping women <laughs> not yeah. cool it's
1: not it's not a good it's not a good look for anyone
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so in late june the tribunal found him guilty on six charges wow. and then they called for his banishment forever
0: banish the dragon
1: they also published a 50-page report on all of his misdeeds.
0: What? Where did they put... Like, a book?
1: I don't know. Like, it's the report that goes on their, like, records wherever oh, they keep those. I thought it
0: was, like, one of those, like, free magazines or whatever, but it was, like, a book. They were just oh. getting them out, you know? <laughs> it's
1: like, this is a good bedtime story, all the shit this dude's done. <laughs> so, Stevenson responded by calling the banishment and the allegations against him a shameful plot of the southern clan.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so taking responsibility for all of That's his nice. bad uh-huh. deeds yeah. clearly, mhm, not pointing the blame on things that don't even no. make sense. So So Stevenson started taking a like a smaller role in clan activities. He was just kind of like, yeah, you know, keeping like, a low profile. I'll, I'll, I'll sit back
0: here for a little while. Yeah, yes. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. so he he turned his attention to getting Ed Jackson elected governor of Indiana in the fall of 1924. So in November, Jackson, a Republican, won the governorship by more than 125,000 votes. With Indiana's U.S. Senator in failing health, Stevenson told his friends that he expected Governor Jackson might appoint him to be the new state senator.
0: So he's basically decided to practice being a ventriloquist. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well right? he found his puppet, He's his puppet already. he got his puppet like, elected oiling the mouth stoked. thing so
0: you know yeah. an eye movement and
1: hoping that he'd get an appointment
0: and teaching him to so, dance and like calling him a real boy and things like that yeah yeah okay
1: so so for ed jackson's inauguration on january 12th 1925 Event planner Stanley Hill recruited a woman that he was dating, a 28-year-old manager of a reading circle named Madge Oberholtzer, to help.
0: Okay.
1: So she went to help, and she was, like, making name tags and running errands and just kind of, like, being an assistant event planner. hmm And then during dinner, she sat across from Stevenson, who inquired about her background with flattering persistence.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a politician, so he can talk. Okay.
1: And he's an abuser of women. So right. he's like so this he's hot little woman sitting across and from me. I'm going to, like, yeah, make her feel comfortable until I go into a drunken rage and beat the shit out of her. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So far, so good. Sounds like yeah. a great time.
1: <laughs> Fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Madge grew up in Indianapolis, where her father worked as a postal clerk, and her family belonged to the Irvington Methodist Church. So mm-hmm. they got that Methodist
0: mm-hmm. connection. Fun. I'm like, oh my god, she me too. Was... No way. You know God, I know God. No
1: way. <laughs> cool. She, uh, a friend described her as an independent soul, yet timid. She said, I don't think anybody disliked Madge, but she didn't make a great effort to make people like her either. Which, yeah. fuck yeah. Good. <laughs> I don't do that either. So. <laughs> she...
0: Yeah, so fuck
1: you all. I mean, who's going out there trying to like make people be their friends? It's like, no,
0: you don't skip down the street and sing like
1: "Be my friend, be my friend" to every person you see. (laughs) Just like badger everyone into being your friend? No, what? (laughs) Fucking no. So she just sounds like a normal person, just like a normal, yeah, cool girl. She studied English, mathematics, zoology. And logic at Butler College in Irvington. Wow. Uh, but at the end of her junior year, she dropped out without explanation.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, whatever. I think it's... Still way more educated than that asshole. Yeah. I was going to say, plus she, during that time,
0: it wasn't that common for women to go to college, right? I don't know. What time are we talking... What year is it? <laughs> Where are we? It's still
1: the 20s. It's, yeah. the, it's the mid-20s. Yeah.
0: So she at the time to to college no definitely not
1: at the t- at the time she was the manager of the Indiana Young People's Reading Circle, which mm-hmm. is cool. It's
0: like and a it book was club.
1: a well, it was a section of the independ- Indiana Department of Public Instruction. So it's kind of like a governmental like
0: uh,
1: reading a, a program. Government
0: book club.
1: I mean, cool. I'm a sure. Yeah. Let's, let's all read and get more educated, please.
0: Yeah, that'd educate nice. yourself. Yeah.
1: Uh, She heard rumors that the reading program and her job was about to be eliminated, though, because of budget cuts, because the first thing that was cut are, like, the cool programs. Yep. (laughs) So she was 28 years old and living with her parents and worried about her job, and then Stevenson asked her to dance.
0: (gasps) To dance?
1: After she... And he met. They began seeing each other pretty frequently. And then she acted as his aide during the 1925 session of the General Assembly.
0: Wow, she wow.
1: was kind of like, yeah, so she was his aide. So she'd like take mm-hmm. messages from his office down to his friends and helped him write a nutrition book called 100 Years of Health. Uh, okay. So she's a smart cookie. Like, yeah, she seems like a, an educated, smart. It's random woman. that they're
0: writing a nutrition book right now, but okay. She's
1: like oddly into like nutrition, but like I'm kind of wondering what nutrition is in the
0: 20s. Yeah, what I want, I'm interested in what his nutrition ideas are.
1: I mean, the margarine thing obviously was a big
0: thing. Oleo, for him. please, Angela. oleo margarine. Oh, sorry, Jeez. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> How rude. <laughs> so, okay, so Stevenson. Uh, pushed through House Bill 287 on March 9th, 1925. So the bill ordered that public schools teach a course in diet and nutrition, which I think is really That's cool. good, yeah. It's important to know about like what you're putting in your body, and I feel like a lot of people don't understand nutrition. Speaking of that. what
0: you put in your body, how about what you put out of your body or on your body? On your body.
1: Your body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Try Humble Bee Herbal's products. They're great for your skin and they have no harsh chemicals or anything in them, all natural, all locally sourced. Nutritious. Nutritious for your outside body.
1: Yeah, Humble Bee Herbal and Crime 20 at checkout for twenty percent off your first order. Check it out. Woo! That was good. Good transition. <laughs> okay. So So they like they're like, okay, well schools have to now start teaching nutrition and diet. And the only, okay, so then he like, he's like, okay, but the books that are used to teach this program have to have very specific requirements. They need to like do all these things. And oh, guess so who's that's book? why he
0: wrote, the- aha.
1: Ah, guess whose book was the only text that met those specifications.
0: Um, so remember how like at the book fairs you would get, some of the books would have like little trinkets or like little yeah. things attached and that's why you really wanted the book because it had something. Yeah. Because he wanted did, that little kitty Did his little nu- nutrition books come with robes or is that just...
1: <laughs> <laughs> a cute little clan keychain. A l- little, clan. A little oh. hat keychain. <laughs> <laughs> a burning cross medallion. Oh my god, adorable.
0: Know. It's like a little flashlight.
1: <laughs> so cute. Oh, shit. So... So, Madge was, like, writing the book, and then the sales of the book were in charge, Stevenson was in charge of, and then he could net, like, a small fortune right, by selling all, all these books. If
0: every school has to teach it, and every, like, they all have to have yeah. it, they all need to buy the books. Yeah. Okay.
1: Good deal. He's a business Good deal man. for Madge, too, if she's getting paid for it, Yeah. Yeah. So when he's not, like, doing his political shit and scheming and all that, Stevenson liked to entertain. He liked to have parties, like, black tie events. Mm. Or, so his range was, like, fancy black tie events. to Roman orgies.
0: <laughs> in which God, Stevenson, you know,
1: yeah. wait for it, dressed as a sceptre. Would lash naked women with a whip as they danced around the room. Seder.
0: like how you say a it? half it's a,
1: seder. a half
0: goat, half man.
1: Oh, right. Ew. <laughs> anyway, it all sounds gross. Anyway, he'd like <laughs> or is it women. a half half
0: horse, half man? I don't know. One of them.
1: I don't know that that was. I mean, there are other words for that, but I didn't know that was one of them. Um, look at you with your Roman. Well, me,
0: <laughs> well, now you got me, me guessing or questioning if I was right. It sounded right. I mean,
1: I should have looked that up probably. Well,
0: anyway, um, <laughs> okay, so. Back to the black tie events. Is it just me yeah. or like because we watched Frasier that like I expected there to be more black tie events in my life as an adult?
1: <laughs> Whoever gets gowns. Like, yeah. why would you even get a gown these days?
0: Oh, man. I don't know. But, but we all no. know I
1: can't wear gowns because I have a tattoo. You have a tattoo. Though.
0: Yeah. Mom said. Mom
1: said I can't wear yeah. gowns anymore. No.
0: No. You you ruined that chance of gown I'm not abilities. classy
1: now. Fuck. I should have thought of that before I went for it.
0: Right out the window. She Shit. warned you. She said, "If you get a tattoo, you will be gownless. I mean, you will you know, be banished anti-gown. from the black gown. Yeah, whatever events. that
1: is, <laughs> not allowed.
0: <laughs> you will not be going to that gala. You won't what be gowning around. Gown around town. I remember that. It was. I, I remember. I'm a witness. I remember that conversation."
1: it hurt my feelings i yeah. felt devastated yeah
0: no no cannot be a gown girl ever again
1: then i just went up to my closet and looked
0: at all my gowns <laughs> thinking oh,
1: never again oh, i can't wear any of you your whole ever closet again. of
0: gowns
1: <laughs> maybe we should hold a black tie event
0: oh but then that means i have to like get clothes <gasps> oh that my
1: god time. housewarming housewarming party black tie event let's do it.
0: Okay, but how Let's is a it. poor person supposed to buy like a tuxedo?
1: You're gonna have to make it. I don't know. Get scraps. I don't know. <laughs> well, shoot, I didn't think this yeah. through. I can't afford a gown. No, where are you gonna get a gown? You gotta make it. Never mind. I take it back. Okay. Never mind. Maybe someday this when we why. grow up, we this can we do don't. black tie. Yeah.
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> shoot. So. Anyway.
1: Back to this. This is going to get really bad now, so I'm glad we had that quick joke of whatever. Okay. (laughs) So, around 10 p.m. on March 15th, 1925, Madge comes home. She was out with a friend. Mm -hmm. Uh... Some say it was, like, a date. Some say she was out with a friend. It's, like, whatever. Who cares? (laughs) So her mom told her that Stevenson's secretary had called and said that he was leaving for Chicago and needed to see her immediately. Uh So Madge changed into a black velvet dress, and then she was met at her front door by one of Stevenson's bodyguards. Uh, then eight hours later, her mother was on the phone with lawyer. Uh Okay, late. This his name changes later. So this says Ada J. Smith, but I think it's Asa J. Smith. Okay, frantic that Madge had never come home.
0: Uh oh,
1: yeah. Two days later, while her parents were talking with Smith at his office, a car pulled up outside of her home. And Eunice Schultz, a boarder, heard someone groaning and saw Madge being carried upstairs by a large man who said that the girl had been hurt in a car accident. Schultz called the family doctor, John Kingsbury, who hurried to Madge's bedside. He said she was in a state of shock. Her body was cold. She told him that she didn't expect or want to get well and that she wanted to die. What? He pressed her until she told him the whole story. What? She said when she had arrived at Stevenson's like hotel or whatever, mm-hmm. she realized that he was drunker than she had ever seen him. Uh-oh. When Madge declined an invitation to drink, Stevenson and the other men forced her to drink. She drank three glasses of alcohol and vomited. Then Stevenson proposed that she join him and the other men on a trip to Chicago. Uh. Madge's lawyer recorded her describing what happened next. So this is her statement. Stevenson said to me, I want you to go with me to Chicago. I remember saying I could not and would not. I was very much terrified and I did not know what to do. I said to him that I wanted to go home. He said, no, you cannot go home. Oh, yes, you are going with me to Chicago. I love you more than any woman I have ever known. I tried to call my home on the phone, but I couldn't get an answer. They all took me to the automobile at the rear of Stevenson's yard and we started the trip. I begged of them to drive past my home so I could get my hat and once inside my home I thought it would be safe I would be safe from them. Oh no. They drove me to Union Station in the machine where they had to get a ticket. Someone dragged her onto a train. Soon after the train pulled out of Indianapolis, Stevenson grabbed the bottom of Madge's dress and pulled it over her head. She tried unsuccessfully to fight him away. Wait, wait, wait.
0: They're on a train right now during this? Uh huh. Like, I'm guessing they have a little car or like a little room. So she goes.
1: Yeah, he has a private car. Okay. So she goes to his house, I guess. She goes to his house, and then he like makes her drink, and she's like, no. And then they like drag her into the car, and then they put her on a train to go to Chicago. Right. So. She tried to fight him away. Obviously, he's Mm -hmm. like much bigger and it didn't work. So, Stevenson stripped her naked and shoved her onto like the lower bed thing. Mm -hmm. And then he attacked her. He chewed her all over her body, as I said before. He chewed
0: her. What the fuck does that even like? He just like
1: ripped her apart with his teeth. My God. So they were headed towards Chicago, except for in the early morning, the train pulled into a station at Hammond, Indiana, and someone, one of his, like, henchmen, basically, shook Madge awake and told her that they were leaving the train. Stevenson had his revolver out and was, like, kind of waving it around, and then Madge repeatedly begged him to shoot her, but he then put the gun away. And then two men led Madge into the Indiana Hotel, where Stevenson registered for himself and wife under the name of Mister and Missus W. B. Morgan. Once in room four sixteen, Madge pleaded with Stevenson to send a telegram to her mother. Yeah. Stevenson complied, but then he's the one who dictated what it would say.
0: Oh God. So he's probably
1: just like, Oh, I we went to Chicago or whatever. Uh huh. You know, they're not trip. So anyway, in the Chicago. Yeah. 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 Later that morning, she asked him for money to buy a hat and some makeup because she wanted to, like, cover up. What is with the hat? Up. Well, she's probably... Well, first of all, it's probably, like, a way to get out because women always wear hats when they go out, right? You got to have your hat on in the 20s,
0: Oh, yes, in the anything. 20s, yeah. Hats are a thing.
1: And then some makeup. So, there, so he was finally like, fine, you can go. And so she... One of his, like, henchman dudes... W- took her out but instead she went to a drugstore and bought a box of mercury bichloride tablets oh. once back at the hotel madge waited until stevenson was asleep and then she described what she did next she said i laid out 18 of the biochloride of mercury tablets and at once took six of them i only took six because they burnt me so oh my
0: god what are these she fo- laid down do you know on the bed
1: uh, killing herself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just going to pop down to the drugstore <laughs> to get some suicide pills that they have conveniently I don't, wrapped. Well,
1: people took mercury for, like, weird shit that obviously it wasn't helping with and just making things worse. I <sighs> don't know what they were taking it for, but they, yeah,
0: I don't know. Okay.
1: So she laid down on the bed and then became really sick, obviously, yeah. and then she started vomiting blood.
0: Oh, that's not good.
1: No, she was discovered like reeling in pain, and then she admitted that she had taken poison. So Stevenson first proposed taking her to the hospital to have her stomach pumped, Uh but Madge was like, "Fuck no!" And then what? And also, because she wanted to die at this point, but then also, uh, okay. Also, the fact that like Madge could tell what happened to her made him reconsider. So he was like, "Oh yeah, you're not going to the hospital." Like, also I don't know I don't know if she refused to go to the hospital so much as he was like I don't want to get in trouble for this so on second thought we're not going to the hospital. So eventually his like two dudes loaded her into the back seat of a car and they headed back to Indianapolis. Stevenson forced her to drink ginger ale and milk which she oh. then vomited all over the car. <laughs> Uh And all the while she was, like, crying and screaming and begging to be thrown for the car and left on the side of the road. She was hoping that someone would stop and, like, help her and take her to the hospital if she could just, like, get out of that car. But Stevenson and his dude Gentry spent the road trip drinking (laughs) while a man named Shorty drove. Shorty. Stevenson, according to Madge's account, didn't seem really concerned with the fact that she was, like, dying in the backseat.
0: Right, because he's Though
1: he did remark, this takes guts to do this, gentry. She is dying. What? (laughs) Stevenson then predicted that he would escape punishment and that, my word is the law. Yeah. So... Fuck. Once they reached Indianapolis, they drove straight to Stevenson's house, only to find Madge's mother waiting by the front door. After... Shorty lied about Madge's whereabouts, and then her mom left, and the three men carried her to a room above Stevenson's garage. What? Madge's condition seemed to improve overnight, but about noon on Tuesday, March 17th, two days after being raped and, like, brutalized, a Stevenson bodyguard named Earl Klink (laughs) carried her back to her home but only after she was warned several times to say that her injuries and suffering were the result of an automobile accident.
0: (laughs) What? Also, there's a lot of just, like, slinging her over the shoulder and carrying her around Uh places. This is ridiculous. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, this woman who's, like, bleeding, and there are bits of her missing, and she's, like, poisoned, and they're, like, just carrying her around and, like, like, jousting her around in a car and, like... She also said that Stevenson told her, you will stay right here until you marry me. And you must forget this. What is done has been done.
0: I'm the law and the power. Oh, my God. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Piece what? Oh, of shit. Also, it's like oh, how romantic. Like I'm so excited that you did this. Yeah, we're for sure getting for married. Me. That you totally like totally. We're gonna get married.
1: <laughs> bit what? the shit out of me. Fuck.
0: Chewed. You so, said chewed. ew. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. This dude. Ooh. So Eunice Schultz, the rumor who saw Madge being carried upstairs, she went and saw her, and she found her like really just looking awful. She had, like, bruises on her cheek, her chest, her stomach, legs, like, ankles, all over. She said the skin on her left breast was open. Uh, Madge opened her mouth and said, oh, dear mother, Mrs. Schultz, I'm dying. Oh, my God. So Schultz called the doctor, like I said before, and then he determined that Madge would be, that she was in a state of shock. Her pulse was, like, super rapid, and her body was cold. Yeah. He asked her how she was injured, and she first replied, when I get better, I'll tell you the whole story. (laughs) And then some minutes later, she told the story of how she was raped and, like, beaten, and then how she took poison the next day.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So, Kingsbury collected a urine sample. um, After testing, it showed evidence of acute kidney inflammation. And then every day for the next four weeks until her death dr kingsbury would visit and treat his patient it took her four weeks of like being in excruciating pain what
0: every day for on march ki- okay.
1: yeah on march 28th he, dr kingsbury concluded that madge had no chance for recovery uh <gasps> When he told her the bad news, she took it really well. She said, that's all right, doctor. I am ready to die. I understand you, doctor. I believe you. And I am ready to die. Wait, this only, is like mostly
0: from the poisoning and the brutal and like the... um And
1: just like infection, infection and like that. not being treated. Oh yeah. Oh, my
0: God. Okay.
1: So he didn't know exactly why she was dying. Yeah. Only that it was like a combination of shock to her body, infection from the bites, the fact that she was, like, woken up and taken all these places and couldn't, like, heal. And and human bites have, like, the most
0: bacteria. Ew, Ew. I know. oh, fuck. And
1: the fact that she wasn't treated early on.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. So,
1: when Asa Smith, or Ada Smith, I think it's Asa Smith, Mm -hmm. the attorney, uh, learned that she was gonna die, he decided to take her statement. So... If there was a criminal trial involving Stevenson and his other dudes, that he would have it.
0: Yes, good.
1: So she, he had her make a dying declaration, uh, which is usually admissible in court. Uh-huh. But even though they can't like cross-examine it, right. obviously, she told him what happened, and he transcribed it, mm-hmm. and then he read it to her, and then she made some corrections, and then she signed it, saying that. She had no hope of recovery, and that was, like, what happened. So she signed it. So two weeks later, on the morning of April 14th, 1925, with her parents and nurse by her side, Madge died. Oh, man. So the official cause of death was mercury poisoning. Fuck. Uh, Marion County Prosecutor William Remy, one of the few people that Stevenson didn't have under his control... Charged him with rape, kidnapping, conspiracy, and second-degree murder.
0: Hmm.
1: His former political cronies, including Governor Jackson, quickly abandoned him. And the Indiana courier called him an enemy of the order. <laughs> so in the first days after the assault, when Hope was still when they still had hope that Madge would recover. Asa Smith approached Stevenson concerning concerning maybe, like, money settlement that she could have to, like, get better, you uh-huh. know, that the family could have. Also, I mean, it was kind of like, give us money or we're going to, like, right. blow this thing out of proportion. Um, so they were talking about, like, $10,000. But soon when Madge, you know, was getting worse, they're like, yeah, fuck this. This is going to go to court. This is, like, criminal. You, like, murdered this woman. So, Remy prepared a warrant for Stevenson's arrest on kidnapping and assault on April 2nd. At his arraignment four days later, Stevenson was asked by a reporter for a comment on the case. He said, I refuse to discuss such trivial matters.
0: Oh, trivial? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: And then a reporter asked, how... How would you like to be fishing right now and watch a red what? darter spinning in front of a bass? Then Stevenson said, Nothing to it. I'll never be indicted.
0: What in the fuck? <laughs> yeah.
1: So Stevenson's lawyers argued that the clan set him up and
0: mm, It was the clan that bit her.
1: And that he couldn't be responsible for what was ultimately a suicide. So, (laughs) but it's like he, caught. I mean, yeah, she took the mercury, but only because of him. She wouldn't have, like, taken it if he hadn't, like, fucked her up.
0: Given her no choice. Like, you're not escaping, Uh and I have all these henchmen that will keep you here. You have no, yeah.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. The citizens of Indiana also were kind, they were, like, kind of skeptical about her deathbed statement. Uh, one woman said, that was a gruesome child. This girl might have been a party girl, I suppose, but she was or she wouldn't have been on that train. What? Oh, I suppose she was or wouldn't have been on that train, but even back in those days, you know, murder wasn't very pretty.
0: Um, I'm sorry. So they're kind of like, like
1: discrediting what? her for being like a party girl. So it's like, well, that was kind of her fault because she like chose to get on that train when she didn't. And even if she did, she didn't choose to be like raped and fucking bit to death. Like, no.
0: Yeah, that's fucked up.
1: So the defense's case was basically, like, Madge died from mercury tablets that she took on her own. But, like, I'm saying, like, she wouldn't have taken them if it wasn't for, like, what happened to her.
0: I just... Why did... Ugh. She should have just shot him. I don't understand, like, why she didn't think self-defense was a thing.
1: Yeah, because then... I mean, back then, I don't know if it really was that much of a thing.
0: But also, I mean... I mean, you could have seen her condition and been like, oh, fuck. Yeah, exactly. Like Maybe like I was saying happen. before, like, how oh, yeah I, yeah, I attacked myself. I bit my own neck.
1: Right. So uh, on November 14th, 1925, after four hours of deliberation, jurors filed into the courtroom to announce their verdicts. Mm -hmm. Stevenson was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Good. Stevenson, leaving the courtroom, told the reporter, hell, we've only begun to fight. And then his attorney was like, of course we're going to appeal this. Uh Which, on what grounds? But whatever. So Stevenson counted on a pardon from his friend and political ally, Governor Ed Jackson, but... Stevenson was not a popular dude anymore, and he did not get his pardon. However,. In July 1927, in revenge for not getting his pardon, mm-hmm. Stevenson released to the press little black boxes containing the names and incriminating records of political leaders in Indiana who had been on the Klan payroll. Ooh. The information led to the indictment of Governor Jackson and other public officials. Nice. And the resulting publicity also led to the crackdown on the Klan and its influence in the state rapidly declined. Good. Good. So, they all fucked up, and they're all horrible human beings, and they all deserve to be, like, fucked over. Ugh,
0: yuck. So, by 1928,
1: the Indiana clan, once the strongest in the Invisible Empire, had collapsed, with membership totaling only about 4,000, which is still too much, but down from its half million. So, better, <laughs> I guess. Stevenson was paroled...
0: Oh, uh, what? In
1: 1950 on the condition that he take a job in Illinois and settle in that state. What? What? So 25 years. He spent 25 years in prison for this horrible crime, not to mention that he, like, assaults women, like, constantly. So instead of going to Illinois like he was supposed to, he went to Minnesota, where he was arrested eight months later and sent back to prison in Indiana (sighs) for a 10-year term. Okay. Okay. Six years later, he was discharged by Governor George Craig, who responded, I don't see why Stevenson won't be able to cope with life. He's mentally all right.
0: Cope with life? It's not about him being able to cope with life. It's everyone Uh, else around him getting chewed up to death.
1: Also, is he mentally all right? Because he's fucking not. No. He's not. Why are you going to pardon him? Fucking. Ugh. Fuck. So Stevenson moved to Seymour, Indiana where he married his third wife, Martha Dickinson. They separated in 1962 after Stevenson was arrested and accused of trying to force a 16-year-old girl into his car.
0: What?
1: Obviously, he's not going to stop doing what he's doing, you know? The judge issued a $300 fine, which Stevenson paid out of pocket.
0: A $300 fine?
1: For trying to abduct and probably rape a A sixteen-year-old
0: girl. Wow.
1: Next, he wandered to Jonesboro, Tennessee, where he met a widowed Sunday school teacher named Martha Murray Sutton. She was fifty-eight, and he was seventy-four. They wed, although he had never officially divorced his other wife named Uh Martha. Uh Two Marthas. (laughs) He then suffered a heart attack on June 28th, 1966, while bringing her a basket of fruit. What? She held him as he died and said, I knew nothing of his background, except that I loved him very much and we were married. He was a very wonderful person. Ugh. The end. Ugh.
0: I don't like that he, like, got a happy ending. Mm Mm-mm. It's disgusting. No,
1: he should have never been let out of prison. Ever, ever. Ever. Ever
0: ew 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 ever icky the tossed salad and the scrambled egg a
1: tossed salad a scrambled egg mm-hmm. obviously
0: tossed salad because he's a politician obviously, and, you know piece of shit piece of shit
1: so I chose the story um in honor of election day <laughs>
0: please vote so we don't have these monsters in <laughs> office jeez.
1: Uh, yeah, because we already have a DC Stevenson in the highest office, so please get out and vote.
0: <sighs> please, let's get this nightmare. Well, it's not going to end, but at least we can, like, put it, no. set it in the right direction instead of backwards hopefully. in time. Come on, guys.
1: I think we're all, yeah, I think we're all ready for a change and hopefully an improvement, so. Definitely. Definitely. Oh yeah. All right. Now, after those two horrible stories which were actually kind of similar. Yeah.
0: They were weirdly somehow we we pick weirdly similar cases like both having to do with people in power taking advantage yeah. of women
1: and horribly like <laughs> mutilating them, them in like the worst ways. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so on that note, and now for the portion that we like to call Crime Any Sakes, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Let's read some Crime Any Sakes. Okay, so this isn't like exactly a Crime Any Sakes, I mean in a way it is, but I got this Information from courtlistener.com. And <laughs> I just really wanted to, dis- I just wanted to read this description that was in, I believe this was in the police reports. Um, okay. Basically, to sum up, the report was that a policeman went into a, now I just have like the word vaudeville stuck in my head from you. Um,
1: oh, burlesque. Burlesque.
0: Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like more of like a burlesque show. And I guess this cop, I don't know why he was in there to begin with if he doesn't like the nudity, but he (laughs) saw this one male burlesque dancer and had, and basically wrote him up for indecent exposure. But
1: at the burlesque
0: show? (laughs) I just have to read this because I think the way they describe it is pretty awesome. Okay. Okay. In 1987, Jimmy Lee Ledecki. Worked as a male review dancer at the Co- club Carl, Club Carlin, was also known as Big Daddy's, an establishment, uh- <laughs> an establishment licensed by the state to sell alcoholic beverages in Mi- in Billings, Montana. Oh, so it's like basically the thing was, oh, you know, mm-hmm. when you're selling alcohol, you can't have new dancers; they have to be like covered uh, to a certain degree. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So splitting hairs. Yes. Okay. Um. As a male review dancer, Ledecky entertained the Club Carlin patrons by performing burlesque-type dance routines to music. Ledecki designed his own dance costumes, which, consi- which consisted of various layers of clothing that he would progressively remove as his dance routines unfolded. Yeah, obviously. Ledecky began one of his dance routines dressed in a raincoat. Underneath his raincoat, Ledecki wore a bikini brief, equivalent to a Speedo swimsuit, which was embellished okay. with portraits of Groucho Marx's nose, mustache, and glasses on the front portion uh-huh. of the bikini. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Those sound amazing.
0: Underneath his Groucho bikini, Ledecki wore two overlapping G-strings. A G-string designed for a male is a garment consisting of a pouch <laughs> that covers the <laughs> genital area with a narrow string attached to the pouch, which, which runs up the buttocks and attaches oh. to a narrow belt worn around the waist. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Belt or waistband, <laughs> yeah. more like. But okay.
0: Ladecki's top g-string was of slightly larger proportions than the bottom g-string. Right? The arresting officer testified that the smaller g-string's pouch barely covered Ledecky's general er- genital <gasps> area, and its string was a approximately one eighth inch wide. <laughs>
1: How did he? Did he get that close to
0: measure? That's what I'm kind of you know? Like, why were you there if you're not
1: into also, it? Also, it barely covered, but it covered, covered right? Right.
0: On the evening of November 6th, 1987, the arresting police officer observed Ledecky while he was performing this particular dance routine. After viewing Ledecky's performance, the police officer left the Club Carlton to review relevant ordinances in connection to this performance. The police officer returned approximately one half hour later and st- cited Ledecky with a violation of some code some numbers and letters, Mm -hmm. which prohibits certain forms of nudity and semi-nude dancing while Ledecky was again performing the same routine. So he was like, oh, he he like came in right when he was in the middle of the act again. He was like, I'm citing you. And he also cited the managers of the club for violating the code.
1: So dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Why was he in there anyway in the first place? I
0: it's so weird that like he was, it just seemed like he was just like in there hanging out or something. And then he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't whoa, be wearing that,
1: that is pouch with small. that eighth of an
0: inch <laughs> strap up the buttocks.
1: Attached to that belt. <laughs> That'd be so uncomfortable.
0: I just wanted to read it. Because Wait, give me a second. Yeah. I haven't
1: belted my underwear yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: of, of course, Ledecky uh, oh. uh, argued that it was freedom of expression and that it wasn't obscene, and it was burlesque, and it was an artistic self-expression.
1: He said he was covered. <laughs> yeah. okay.
0: Okay, and then, um, so I just, yeah, I just really wanted to read that description, because I thought it was funny the way they described it his was outfit.
1: very descriptive, <laughs> <laughs> and somewhat incorrect, but I appreciate it.
0: Also, did you know that in California, there's a law that I found that was established in 1957... Article 2, frog jumping contests. Any, <laughs> any person may possess any number of live frogs to use in frog jumping contests, but mm-hmm. if such a frog dies or is killed, it must be destroyed as soon as possible and may not be eaten or uh, used otherwise for any other purpose. Why is that a law? <laughs> what purpose?
1: <laughs> what purpose? So
0: you have to go to up to Oregon if you want to eat frogs.
1: If you want to eat your ho- hopping racing frog, <laughs> that was a specific frog. It wasn't like all frogs are off limits. Yeah, it was like no, just These I frogs mean, who have you can competed. race them.
0: Yeah, yeah. You got to retire. Like you got to
1: respect them. You can't be eating them. They worked hard for you, and then you're just gonna go eat them. No. I don't think so. Also, you can't like have them stuffed and you know celebrate them that way. Apparently not. Okay. Uh, In Croatia, modern technology foiled this felon when he and a mate were found with 103 grams of marijuana in their car. While they were at the station for questioning, a third man sent a text message to one of their mobile phones saying, Water my weed, please. (laughs) (laughs) The police went to his place and found a small backyard plantation. The driver was convicted of possession and the intention to deal in drugs. I just want to say His that's... His two friends were about, let off due yeah. to lack of evidence. Would you say
0: 130 grams? 103. 103 grams, which is like yeah, less than over than like three ounces.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot. Yep. <laughs> <But anyway. laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, water my weed, please. That's why you got to use code, everyone.
0: Code. All you got to say is water my weeds. I love when I... It's (laughs) like, all you
1: got to say is uh, loosen that belt on that G-string. Look, my G-string's a little tight.
0: You could go to my house and loosen it. (laughs) Everyone should have G-string code.
1: (laughs) Water my G-string so it grows in size, please, because mine barely covers.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um, I have one from... London, and it says, a, okay. a British zoo has had to separate five foul mouthed parrots who keepers say were, en- <laughs> were encouraging each other to swear. Billy, <laughs> their names are Billy, Eric, Tyson, Jade, and Elsie, joined Lincolnshire oh. Wildlife Center's colony of 200 gray parrots in August and soon, re- soon revealed a penchant for blue language. We are quite used to parrots swearing, but we've never had five at the same time, said the zoo's chief executive, Steve Nichols. What? Most parrots clam up outside, but for some reason, these five relish it. Nichols said no visitor had complained about the parrots, and most found the situation funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. So if you want to be cursed out by parrots, go to the zoo I don't well not anymore open? they yeah. separated
1: them oh. they separated the poor friends well uh,
0: off you hopefully okay there's 200 other parrots influence they separate them they're gonna hang out with other parrots they'll just make 200 foul mouth parrots
1: <laughs> I love how that's like a common thing to have foul mouth parrots but just not that many at once <laughs>
0: like usually we got one or two but five that's a lot
1: <laughs> they were friends <laughs> they were bonding. They were. All right. Well Well.
0: Thanks for tuning in.
1: Don't forget to check out humblebeherbal.com. Use code CRIMANY20 for twenty percent off your first purchase. Also, we should all be washing our hands still, so check it out. Cause they got soaps that won't dry out your hands. Wash and your other hands. really good stuff. And oh, here's the other thing got knee. they oh. have a whole page suggesting what you can do to help your face that seems to be breaking out like you're a teenager all over again
0: yep. lots of fun and you know what I actually lots I actually I actually use their soap to hand wash my masks and it's nice because then it smells nice too and
1: oh that's a good idea yeah
0: just in the sink yeah. give it a scrub after work and then hang it yeah. up yep fresh mask in the oh, morning that's a
1: really good idea mm-hmm. so
0: so, check them Fix out. Get your face. Humblebee Herbal. Get rid of your mask knee. We will speak at you next week.
1: Stay safe out there.
0: And vote. Please vote. It's
1: going to get wild. And if you're in a different country, have fun watching our shit show over here. I
0: mean, <laughs> been watching it for a while, I'm sure.
1: Oh, it's been a good four <laughs> years of reality TV in Ugh. the States.
0: Let's get out of this. So, Let's. <laughs> uh, yeah, check out Humble be Herbal. Send us a message at CrimeyPodcast at gmail.com. And Rate,
1: review, subscribe, all that good stuff.
0: And we will be back next week with more horrible shit to tell you.
1: Yay. Bye.
0: Okay, bye. He proposed to
1: Lizard, Lizard, Dragon.
0: Lizard, Lizard, Dragon. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Obviously, Angela did it.
1: How rude. <laughs>